I don't know what the schedule looks like for Thursday. I don't know what the uh, state of the guest appearances looks like. But I know that we got we got a ton, ton of storylines on this football team, man. I almost feel like we could do a three-hour show every single day on each storyline. I want to. I want to. Like, is Payne Bone going to play? Boy, everything Brent Venable seems to say about him leads you to believe that this dude is going to play. But then, you know, we rewind a year ago. I know no one can remember what we talked about a year ago. I mean, that's why I keep these notebooks handy. But a year ago, do you remember who the hit of, ham- of camp was? Do you remember who everyone was talking about? Is man, what a story. This is this is a story. I'll remind you. It was Justin Harrington. And then we never really saw him play that much. Right. Right? So I don't – if there's one thing that I've appreciated Coach Venables has said, it's talking about, hey, there's things we learned. You know, we probably should have played our younger guys a little bit more last year. I, if it, what, what had been the tag? Yeah, Brent Venables, he's just not going to play freshman. Well, maybe lesson learned. Maybe we'll see some more of those guys. But I just – I feel like there are so many amazing storylines. What's the – Running back battle look like? How healthy are they right now? So I wasn't with you last week. I was out vacationing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't with you during the made-for-television, made-for-media drama of Brent versus Dion, right? But and, and I don't care to get too deep in the weeds on all of that. Sure. Go ahead, though. But did Brent let us in – just what you talked about right there. Did Brent let us in on a little bit of, of a secret to his thinking last year that – yeah, he he played to the veterans maybe to a fall last year. And I say that in the sense that, hey, you know, we we could have played the freshman more. And here he's talking about, you know, Dion did it this way and I had this approach. I mean, you kind of put the puzzle pieces together. That's why the whole reaction to this is hilarious to me. Because – and again, I've listened to every show recap. We played the Will Bond take, which, by the way, was a week after it was said, which was hilarious. I still don't know to this day if I've seen a story, a fake story, go more viral than the Deion Sanders quote. I'm not even kidding. I mean, it literally, I've never seen anything go that viral that quickly. It was unheard of. Yeah, you know, it's just, okay. It's fake, people. I Did I send you my text exchange with Arnie this weekend? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Arnie texts me. He's like, so you got the keys to the Ferrari? I'm like, I don't, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and the next text was, yeah, what Lincoln Riley said about Brent Venables. I'm like, oh. well, first of all. Yeah, I know, right? First of all, it was Dion. And secondly, it wasn't even really Dion. It was fake. But go on. I love Artie, man. He's like, oh my he's the gift that keeps on giving. It's like the keys to the Ferrari. I was like, what, you win a bet? <laughs> he also screwed up last night. He was talking about it. He's, he was picking a game to end in penalty kicks. Is there a way I can sit in for just one show? Yeah. I just, can I just produce one show with you guys? I want to jump into oncoming traffic throughout a majority <laughs> of it. If I have to hear about how the Dolphins are going to win the Super Bowl and I'm stupid because I can't see it, I don't. I'm such a big fan because it's so obvious that Arnie's the instigator and it's terrible because he'll say something like I really think the I think the Orioles that's my team that's my Orioles I'm like it's great what do you think about their staff it's good who do you like I don't know (laughs) Cal Ripken it's like you don't even 
So he's not he's not very dialed in. He should be. Uh, he doesn't have anything else going on. But yeah. So to get back to your original point, I was crying whenever I just saw laughing at some of the reaction. And then those that were like, I don't know why this was such a calculated thing in Big 12 Media Days. <clears throat> because he's been saying it all off season. Well, and he was also asked a question yeah. and, and, and answered it. It's just the it's the age old funny thing with coaches and players where they give you an honest response and then you crucify them for it. Hey, what'd you uh, how things go? Well, you know, Dion had his approach and he did that. I didn't do that. What the, you're attacking Dion. These coaches get on their height. No, no, he's just it's a different approach. You know, it's it's completely different. Did you think the the Will Bond piece was? The was dumbest he, thing I've ever heard in my life. Was he playing the race angle in your mind? Because I wasn't totally convinced necessarily that he was. I know a lot of people felt that way. I didn't. I don't know. I, I Maybe yeah. he was. I mean, it felt maybe to some degree that he was. But if if he was even going the angle of, hey, you know, Dion's a little bit different. And a lot of these other coaches don't like that because he's taking a different path. I mean, I, I understand that. But it's just so dumb, isn't it? Um, it's funny to me. It's funny to me because you leave it open for interpretation, which is borderline brilliant. But if you get called on, it's like, listen, there, and someone tries to accuse you whoa, of whoa, claiming whoa, racism, whoa, whoa. right? You're like, no, I was just talking about they were jealous because they were worried it was going to work, and you know, and he's a little bit different, right? Exactly. So, so there's always an out to it. I honestly, I don't get. Well, I hadn't thought about that part. Yeah, that's. You're right. Borderline brilliant. Right. Because you can, if anyone's like, you claiming he's a racist? Are you trying to claim racism here? And he's like, no, oh, no, no, that's, that's, no, no, no. That's what, you know, you can always go back on it. No, I was just saying he's just a little bit different. He's a different bird, different guy. But I just. And it stinks because, like, you want to root for Dion, you know? And now, now he's, now he's the enemy, I guess. Well, and here's the thing. It, it was not an attack on Dion. It wasn't an attack on Colorado. It was a statement of fact. About his approach at Oklahoma. Exactly. And using, oh, well, and also in that, a statement of fact of what Dion did at Colorado. <laughs> I mean, it's... Which, you know, here's the here's the wild part about all of it is, where are Wilbon and Kornheiser and everybody to say, Hey, what Dion is doing is, yes, radically different. And it might go up in flames. It might not work. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I'm here for all of it. I'm here for it to work. I'm here for it not to work. I like that he's different. I think that's good for sports. I tell everyone it's one of the most fascinating case studies we're ever going to see in football. It's not like Colorado is good. They've been terrible. Terrible. And I'll take any conversation over, is Colorado going to the Big 12 right now? Because I don't really know – I don't really know what's so attractive about Colorado as an athletic department. If I'm the Big 12, I'm like, I think we're good here. You know, it's like you left us once. You're not really bringing anything. Um, but back to the point on Dion, if this thing works, might be a really bad thing for college football and coaching changes, it to be changes honest with it. you. It, it really it, does. It, it does change approaches going forward. I mean, coaches, that grace period, if Dion wins in, in year two, that grace period's out the door, peeps. It's gone. Gone for new coaches. Not that there's just a million different, you know, guys like Dion floating around because that that's what makes Dion so captivating is he's he's sort of one of a kind, right? But it will from an athletic department standpoint, 
you will see more people right take a mm-hmm. unconventional route in the hiring process if he's successful. Oh, absolutely. Book that. Hey, let, let, let's do this here real quick then because I don't have I don't have anything from the SEC media days and my top five stories today. And one other story you and I didn't get a chance to talk about together was the new NIL plan. Now, again, we want to be very clear. This is not yet um, being voted on. This is still a conversation piece that yeah, of, of all the things that were involved in it, I think everyone kind of latched on to the, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can go back to college after seven days when you're drafted, which was a fascinating sidebar to this. But it really seemed to set standards. Everyone will be able to know what everyone else is making. And they're trying to somehow level the playing field from you'll make the, this amount as a football player. And it's, and it's just I don't think that's reality in this market. Okay. But then with that, we didn't get a chance to truly react to what Lane Kiffin said. And I've gone back and forth on this. All right. But here's what, here's what old Lane Kiffin had to say whenever someone wasn't asking if if he thinks they look alike. Boy, SEC media days went a little bit off the rails on that. Well, now hang on. That was an incredible response. Oh, it's like, what's your mom's name? I'm going to go talk to my dad a little bit. But And by the way, Lane looked like he had really enjoyed Nashville the <laughs> night before. Yeah, he was a little, he was a little ragged. Yes. But here, here is what Lane Kiffin said. And it's funny because if you listen to the whole thing, I think it's – I think it's interesting from a guy who has benefited from a good NIL plan and a guy who has benefited from the transfer portal. You know, so I'm going to address the portal NIL, what I kind of call disaster that we're in. And so I know that question is going to come. It's just created a lot of issues, these roster changes. I'm not complaining about it because we take advantage, obviously, of free agency. But at the same time, I don't think that's really good for college football these massive overhauls of rosters every year really is not in the best interest of college football paying the players for for play to come to their school is where we're at so there's kind of your state of the union on the situation of what all coaches are dealing with around the country and really a, a poor system that that isn't getting better now is going to get worse with this because again now we just look at recruiting rankings and you're going to see that they usually are going to follow this you know, donor base and what schools are going to decide to give the most money to the players. So here's what it is. We'll deal with it like we do with everything else, but somehow it's got to get fixed because there's no system around it. Now, again, this is a program that seems now, I don't know, Kirk Bowles asked him to rank where the Ole Miss boosters are. He's like, how would you rank, like, the boosters in the SEC? Lane's like, I – I ain't touching that. That's, we're not going down that road. But it was interesting. Worth a try. It was interesting because you got that sense where, hey, all right, so we use A&M, and then when Texas gets in there, and you know where that is being alleged. But I didn't feel like what he said was some sort of don't pay the players mea culpa. Like, rah, Parker's trying to make it sound like in a one-minute promo that I heard all weekend. <laughs> But I just – I kind of feel like, Josh, when you have a coach who has taken such advantage of the portal and such advantage of NIL, I almost find it somewhat refreshing when they're like, yeah, it's it's a mess. Listen, man, I'm in the middle of this right now, and I'm benefiting from it, but we got to do something. And I, I found that to be 
I, I mean, am I crazy to say almost an incredible amount of honesty from a guy who, again, has constantly benefited from both? Sure. Yeah, I mean, somebody that's being transparent that, hey, this has been positive for for me, for us, mm-hmm. but I don't like it, and it's not good for college football. But, again, I mean, what what fixes are there for name, image, likeness? You know, it's funny. At the very least, there never there needs to be. I don't. I mean, like, do we want a salary cap? I don't think you can are, put. I don't think you can put a salary cap on it. I, I because, don't either. Because I think if you put a salary cap on it, then you're like, you got to treat my employees. Right? No if, doubt. You know, then then they've got to be in a position to where they can, you know, have all the the benefits of a full time employee within the athletic department. And then uh, you can kiss school goodbye. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, why am I going to school? There's no reason. I, I am, I'm of the opinion the best way to fix it is to simply put this in place. Schools can be involved. Don't don't treat this like they can't talk to collectives and coaches can't talk to collectives or anything of that nature. Allow that bridge to be built. I'm not saying schools should or could control them. That's fine. But you have to have more than just one plan. Joe C. has said it consistently. You need a plan A, B, C, and D. Because right now it's almost as if we find one that, you know, it's bipartisan bill, two two Democrats and a Republican or two Republicans and a Democrat, whatever. But, okay, that's a plan A. All right, what's our plan B? Because plan now, you know, the NCAA just didn't want to fight the legal side of it, so they just – I've made that analogy a bazillion times on this show. They basically went blackjack dealer once the once they announced that they're going to do it. There has to be some guardrails in place. And so far, all the things you've said that you can't do, everyone's doing anyway. <laughs> and it's just it's funny to me. It's funny to me. I think the number one thing, I think the number one thing that is going to end up happening is that is that the NCA is going to try to continue to control it. And they're going to create that legislative arm. And I just – I said this on Thursday when you were gone, when this all broke. Um, I would say this much. I don't – I don't think you can have those responsible for NIL compliance and things of that nature be people who have other responsibilities. I think that needs to be a – Its own department. It has to be its own department. It can't be like – Todd here, he takes care of NIL, and he's also over here in enforcement on, you know, I mean. Well, it's a full-time job now. Ding, ding, ding. And, and it's never-ending, and, you know, at a university, it's not just football, right? I mean, it's it's basketball, it's it's baseball, it's softball, it's, it's, it's all of them. Mm-hmm. Guy writes, as an employee of the university, then a salary cap could be imposed, right? Well, I mean, yeah, but. My whole understanding of this entire process was they wanted players to be able to monetize their marketability, number and, one. And you can't really put a cap on that. Can't put a cap on you it. You can't go to, you know, I, I don't know, Angel Reese or Caitlin Clark or Tiger Woods or Adrian Peterson and say, ah, wait a second, you're the most marketable athlete in America in college sports, but you can only make $250,000. Like, yeah, no. you're not going to win that court case. It, it's, and the NCAA has been historically about trying to make everything fair. Oh, everyone's got to be – we have to accept that reality that that's not just going to be the case. Certain athletes are going to be more valuable than others. We just have to accept that and find ways to – okay, then how do we 
protect the integrity of it from the perspective of, you know, basically it's not pay for play, which is what everyone seems to want to steer clear of. That's my understanding. I think but if yeah. you could just, again, and we've said this I don't know how many times. A lot. If you could just fix the tampering component, mm-hmm. I think that would – the and there's no fixing the enticement, by the way. That's, no, that's not going you, you anywhere can, Lane Kiffin, whoever can get in front of a microphone and and try and complain about that, unless there's a legitimate, uh, you know, policing there. Mm-hmm. And even if there is, you're not going to catch everybody. So that I mean, that's over. That's done. But you know, same thing with tampering. If you could just just a little bit, right, slow that down. I think that coaches would be happier. But I just don't think there's a fix, man. I mean, it is what it is. This is where we're at now. It's never going back. I've got to educate myself because Zach from the 405 brings up a pretty good point because I think I think a salary cap idea is pretty good and I think it should be per school. All right, well then also in that like then who governs that? Who's going to decide what that salary cap is per school? Well, I would I would propose Zach if you and I are going in on this together conference. And then which conference is going to find a way to have that highest salary cap? And then in that – Well, it's going to be the Big Ten and the SEC, by the way. Ding, ding, ding. And then in that, find a way to share revenue with the players. Find a way to share some of that TV revenue with players and the student-athlete. And which, by the way, again, in CAA, that's not going to be equal. I love softball. Softball's TV rights are not bringing in as much as college football's. It's just the reality of yeah. it. Uh, I love women's basketball. I love men's hoops. They're not bringing in the same amount of money. Now, the NCAA tournament is competitive, but as far as the package is concerned, I really feel like we're going to have to start accepting that, all right, listen, there's a distinct difference between what we're bringing in here and what's happening in other places. And for some reason, it's like the NCAA, nah, nah, I don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. It's like, but, I mean, look, here's the numbers, sir. It's much more profitable on that front. And really, it's all it's – all- Excel spreadsheets on their behalf too, because right. as soon as, as soon as the reality sets in for everyone, which I think it has for most, that the NCAA has no jurisdiction. Well, pretty soon the powers that be at the Big Ten, the SEC, the ACC, you name it, they look at it and say, you know what? Let's go ahead and let's host tournaments ourselves, and let's go ahead and take some of that money back too. Yep, exactly. All right, listen, let's. Uh, that's our catching up from what we didn't get to talk about for last week. So you missed the Wilbon outrage over. Uh, Brent Venables, uh, and then not upset about that uh, on the fake quote from Deion Sanders' reaction, which was fantastic. Uh, number two, you missed the new NIL proposal, which I don't. I listen to a lot of different show. I listen to Andy show. I listen to the new athletic show. I don't know if it's being universally embraced, but it seems as if it has a little momentum. I felt like for everyone, it's like, hey man, this thing seems to have some momentum. Then there was another side that was like, eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> it's almost like we couldn't make up our mind on it. Uh, I don't know if it's getting momentum or not. Maybe it isn't. Uh, and then I feel like the other story that you really, truly missed out on from SEC Media Days is that the SEC Media Days are coming to Dallas next year. And maybe the Big 12's greatest fear is that it's not just the SEC taking in Oklahoma and Texas, but also saying, I oh, want my little piece of that Dallas. No, let's, uh, let's get a little piece of Dallas going here. All right, quick break. We'll get to our top five stories today. Next, Hour 3, brought to you by Moppin Roofing, 405-703-3843. Locally owned and operated, fully insured Moppin Roofing. Top five stories today. Next. All right, welcome into the Plank Show. 
Gosh, football. Football NFL camps open this week. In fact, maybe I should rephrase that. Veterans report. Camps are all open. Right, Rookies are there. Browns and Jets play in the Hall of Fame game. Both are going through their preseason exercises. But I will say, you're going to be – you're going to be inundated with a highlight of Aaron Rodgers throwing a crossbody pass to who is it? Uh, Garrett Garrett Wilson in the end zone. I've seen it like twelve times this morning. Twelve times, dude. I will say it's funny. I always joke about who watches the first takes and who watches the get ups. Like who actually watches these shows? It's you and me. <laughs> yeah, it's you and me and and my dad. My dad watches. It. Oh, he, he likes them. He doesn't like him. He's like the only thing on right now. And then he turned it to some Fair. black and then he turned it to some black and white show. It's like, oh, what are we watching here, Dad? I don't know. But yeah, we are we are back as a family. We are back together. Um, off yeah, my trip to so St. Good. Louis, feels so good. We are here all week, and it is a it is a big week for counting down because T Row has debuted his top twenty five countdown. Had Texas Tech at number twenty five today, so don't miss the T Row in the morning show. Uh, Parker and Steelman coming up in a bit. And in fact, let's well, let's roll. Let's hustle through these top five stories of the day. I know we don't have a ton of time. Let's see if we can do the. Well, we won't be able to do it in five minutes, but I, like, yeah, let's see if we can do it in five minutes. What do you think? You think we can? Oh yeah. All right. Top five stories of the day brought to you by Newcastle Casino. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. All right, Newcastle Casino, I-44, exit 107. Happy hour Monday through Friday, 3 to 6. 14 table games, including blackjack, three-card poker, ultimate Texas Hold'em, and Baccarat. NewcastleCasino.com. Big story number five. Number five. Ah, the fallout and the uh, celebration continued over the weekend after... Taylor Tatum committed to the University of Oklahoma. You heard it live right here on the Plank Show. Here was Tatum explaining why. Boomer sooner it is. Congratulations on choosing the University of Oklahoma. What went into this decision to call University home? Uh, you know, just uh, I'll probably say one of the main things was, you know, that going to the SEC, yeah. being a big dog, you know, in, the, in football and baseball. You know, I've always growing up, you see the LSUs, the A&Ms, you know. The Alabamas, the Georgias, you know, you won't be part of them big dogs. I think, uh, you know, giving me a, and getting the chance to play baseball and football in the SEC is just something I couldn't want to deny. Well, hey, man, congratulations. I think Oklahoma is getting absolutely gym in you, man, baseball yeah, man. and football. Uh, man, final thoughts here, man. We're happy for you. You want to say anything else? Uh, no, I just give thanks to everybody here. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. Thanks to my guys. Maybe better every day. And, uh, from a center. I think before we get out, we're going to hear uh, from Parker. I, I pulled about a minute a half-long cut from Parker talking about what this means for nice. Oklahoma. So, in um, at least in my rundown, so we had Jackson commit, Zion Raggins commit, now Taylor Tatum. So what, Michael Patterson-McDonald on the 31st? And then Winnery on the 1st. Oh, yeah. Oh, Winnery's announcing on the 1st. I think so, right? All right. Uh, Caden Durham, the four-star running back on August 25th, and at least from what – uh, Okinu, Okinu, Mr. Pilkington on Twitter had uh, Braden Platt on September 4th. Which so. sounds like Oregon, but who knows? Who knows? All right, maybe, st- maybe you can swing that thing between now and then. Big story number four. Number four. Josh, I was all in. I watched more golf on Saturday and Sunday than I have in a very, very long time. And it ended with oh, – and by the way, I kept – I got to be honest with you. 
I kept waiting for the implosion to happen. You and many others, I kept waiting for the implosion to happen. But in the end, Brian Harmon, Brian Harmon is your British Open slash Open Championship winner. Uh, he talked about the importance of his caddy. The hardest part was just not getting off to a good start the last two days. It was really, really tough, and I had to really dig deep to recenter and, and get ready to, to play. And it's something that I've struggled with kind of my whole career, get out ahead of myself and not. Um, but I got to give a lot of credit to, to my caddy, uh, Scott Toy Country. I, I knew what he was doing. He kept bringing up, hey, man, how's the hunting club looking? How's, you know, how's this doing? You know, how's your book? And so he, he, he made me stay real present. The other thing that he talked about was a heckler was was key in his victory. Oh, really? Yeah, that, you know, he mentioned he didn't start out well Saturday or Sunday. A couple of bogeys, and I want to say the first five, six holes, both days. So he was two over to start both days early in the first, let's say, six holes, right? And after the second bogey on Saturday, somebody basically told him, hey, you don't have the stones for this. And that's the moment that wow. he kicked it into gear. Good on him. I will say this. If Harmon didn't play well, boy, we would have had a hell of a finish. Man. Oh, man. It would have been great. If he would have fallen apart. Because you had what? Uh, you had Brom, Day. I watched it. I ended up getting to see a lot of Straka this week. McElroy was what there. What a story young. he was. Uh, did you see 580 Nate's tweet? I'm like, I really enjoyed watching that golf tournament. Uh, did anyone play other than Rory McElroy? They, I think they showed every shot of his final round. And apparently Sky Sports or, like, the world feed is, like, the greatest thing. And we've just got the worst situation here stateside in terms of the broadcast. I don't know about you, but I thought old Sky Sports had a pretty rough time following the golf ball, at least in my world, whenever I was watching it. It's like, ooh, that looks like it's in a tough spot. And then all of a sudden you look in the camera like, Where, where's the ball? Where, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, all right, so can, uh, that, that puts an end – to the Majors. major season in the golf world. See you at Augusta National. Now they wait. They wait and watch college football. Don't play any golf. It's kind of wild how they do that. Ryder Cup. <laughs> All right, big story number three. Number three. They made a big deal about this yesterday. Wait for it. There's a high fly ball. Straight away center. Reynolds is back at the wall. And it's gone. Home run. Number 36. Shohei Otani with a laser. And a game-tying shot to make it 1-1. So that was Otani's last game in an Angels uniform in Anaheim? Maybe? Question mark? I don't think he's getting dealt. I just I don't think he is. But literally you can't you can't do any baseball talk without someone somewhere theorizing that he's on his way out because the Angels just aren't going to be able to afford to keep him. Which is kind of funny because they're still in the mix for the for the wild card right now. Yeah, I, I don't know how you could. I mean, every single major league team should be able to afford Shohei Otani. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, Angels 7, Pirates 5. I guess the other question is, does he want to stay? Okay. Uh, there was a couple walk-offs, but we'll spare you that since we're short on time. A lot of really fun series get underway today in Major League Baseball. If you've decided to be someone that is late to the Major League Baseball party, well, friends... You get two marquee uh, series. You get the Reds and the Brewers. It starts tonight. And the Rangers and the Astros, which starts tonight. Pretty good. Two really good series. All right. Big story number two. Number two. Got tons of stuff here to get to from NFL camps. But as we mentioned, there's breaking news this morning. And that is Naeem Hines is out for the season for the Bills. 
but it's it's not even that it's Naeem Hines, the player. It's how he got hurt. Josh, the knee injury was sustained when someone hit him while he was riding a jet ski. Oh, my goodness. Hines was sitting on his own stationary jet ski at the time of the crash and suffered serious but not life-threatening injuries. Do you want to know how many times I've ridden a jet ski in my life, Josh? Zero. And I badly want to, but it's kind of feel like that phase in life has passed me by. Good news is uh, you don't have an NFL career to worry about. That's right. That's right. I don't have to worry about a running back market where no one's getting paid anymore like Hines does now coming off a major knee injury. So it looks like he is out for the year. Uh, we got Dan Campbell talking trash. We've got – well, not really talking trash. Oh, here what this is good from Patrick Mahomes. He was talking about underappreciated players in the NFL. I think this guy right here is, <laughs> I mean, like – I paid him to say that. I mean, if you look at Kirk over here, man, wins every year, puts up great stats, did it in Washington, does it in Minnesota. Talk to any other quarterbacks in the league, they're going to say the same thing. Kirk Cousins, underrated and underappreciated in the mind of one Patrick Mahomes. I think that's fair. I'm so mad that you guys are so good. Which gets us to big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. All right, so we are counting down to Oklahoma's opener, right? It would be, let's see, in 39 days from now, we would be midway through the first quarter. Sounds pretty good, right? Getting there slowly but surely. But I am a firm, firm believer that talking season is one of the best times of year. So when we come back, the highlights from talking season over the weekend. As we get set for what's next? Fan day? The return of Meet the Sooners Day? Media day? Coaches. Coaches luncheon this week. So those That's the little, next big date for us. Those little checklists are starting to be checked off. We'll talk a little sooner football. And, oh, I've got what Parker had to say about what Taylor Tatum means to Oklahoma as a commit next right here on The Ref. I did have to laugh. Twitter is rebranded. It's now X, which, okay. okay. I, I just don't understand. What is Elon doing? Don't know. I don't know who Linda Iaccarino is. But I did have to laugh because she tweeted, X is the future state of unlimited Cheech and Chong gummy ads, creating a global marketplace for gummies that are now 100% legal. Powered by AI, X will connect us all with CBD THC gummies that are 100% legal. Are you getting Cheech and Chong ads all over your X feed, your Twitter feed, or am I the only one? Let me log into X and I can tell you. Log into X and tell me. I I, I mean, I like Cheech and Chong. But holy smokes, man, I get it. I get it. It's I, I need to act now or I'm in trouble. Off State the, Farm. I now so last Friday. Oh, you got a state I don't get State Farm. Maybe this Star Wars limited edition collection. So maybe yeah. this is more about me. Maybe that I I've got an issue, but every single Phone's time has been listening to you, my friend. I guess so. Every single time I log on to Twitter slash X. I'm seeing Cheech and Chong tell me about gummies, but maybe that's maybe that says more about me. Mention big story number one as we count down to the OU football season as it always is. Uh, brought this up, Toby in his top twenty-five today debuted Texas Tech at number twenty-five. Josh, too high, too low for Texas Tech at number twenty-five. I think just a perfectly right, perfect spot for me, perfect spot, T-Row. one for one. 
In fact, I might have had him in a receiving votes category, but when the new preseason polls are released, I guarantee you they're going to be in a in a top 25. With that in mind, Oklahoma, on the recruiting side, got a big win. Now, in less than 15 minutes from now, Parker Thune will be on with Mike Steely. So from my perspective, I don't know if there's a better guy to talk about the Taylor Tatum commitment than Parker Thune. Here's what he said on the Steel Man and Thune at Noon show last Friday. Even if Taylor Tatum crashes and burns at the University of Oklahoma, which in all likelihood is not going to happen, but even if he does, you will always have this memory of a very high-profile head-to-head recruiting win on the trail for DeMarco Murray over the guy that tried to pry him away from his alma mater a year and a half ago, Mule Shoe himself. So, look, in Taylor Tatum, what you get is you get a complete running back. You don't become the number one running back in any individual recruiting cycle unless you are complete, and that's what Tatum is. Three down back, obviously quite a threat as a runner, a threat as a receiver as well, and a very underrated part of playing the running back position, Steely, is the ability to pick up blitzers in pass protection. Taylor Tatum can do that as well as anybody. And so what you get in Tatum today as he commits to Oklahoma is you get a guy that's going to be able to pull his fair share at OU. And we know that the Sooners prefer to use tandems and use committees. That's kind of been the M.O. really – uh, since the turn of the century, as long as Bob Stoops and Mule Shoe and now Brent Venables have been at the helm, the Sooners have more often than not employed a committee approach, save only for when you have a guy like Adrian Peterson who is just so far and away better than everybody else at his position that you almost have to hand him the ball 30, 35 times a game. And I think that potential exists with Taylor Tatum, but it's refreshing to know, isn't it, that with the depth Oklahoma has accumulated at running back, you don't have to bring Taylor Tatum in with the expectation of having to run him ragged and having him be the only available option at the running back position and being one injury or uh, you know a bum ankle away from being completely lost with regard to your backfield picture. No, Oklahoma's still in play for Caden Durham down the stretch. They've got Xavier Robinson committed. Obviously, they're four deep with underclassmen right now on the current roster among scholarship running backs. So, hat tip to DeMarco Murray, hat tip to Skip Johnson. You can't help but to be excited about what this kid is going to bring to both the gridiron and the diamond in the Crimson and Cream. And at best, what you have is an early round MLB draft pick down the line and a future 1,000-yard rusher in the SEC. Pretty cool high, high praise from Parker Thune on Taylor Tatum. You can listen to that whole show on the KREF podcast page or simply search KREF however you consume podcasts. All right, when we come back, let's hit the top five. Uh, what am I saying? Let's hit the Knippenmeyer Chevrolet text line. Put a wrap on this edition of the Plank Show right here on the Ref. All right, uh, let's hustle through a couple of the Knippenmeyer texts before we get out of here. I We've hit a pot three, a cornucopia of different topics today. It's been a good show. I mean, I... I thought the underappreciated teams was a good idea. Flopped. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's got some late got some life legs. to it. Maybe, maybe so. We talked a little bit more about Dion. That got the interest of the nine one eight. For Dion, it's not going to work. 
you can't have the mess uh, mass exodus like that in one offseason and expect people to stick around right now. It's easy for that locker room to get along and believe. Right, right now, it's easy for that locker room to get along and believe. It won't be like that come December. You can afford to say those things and take that approach at Jackson State because those kids need you to help them find the next level. The Power 5 level? No. If they feel like they're being mistreated, mishandled, they'll pack their bags fast and go somewhere else. So I think it was, I think it was Sean brought up a great point. Everywhere he's gone, he's always had the best talent. What makes a great coach? Good players. Sure. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, we talked about fixing college sports slash NIL slash transfer portal. Zach from the 405 writes, I think all of college athletics should be governed by conferences and their commissioners. Conference leadership would have to agree on a uniform cap nationwide, which would never happen because small conferences will rest to get the big ones down the, with small caps or will want to get the big ones down to small caps. And big conferences don't want to lose their hold on the sport. Again, we have to accept. And for some reason, we consistently don't. It's not going to be fair and balanced. I mean, listen, Fox News can tell you they're fair and balanced. You all know it's not. The NCAA can tell you it's fair and balanced. We all know it's just not. It's impossible. Right. Good luck, though. It's not fair and balanced individually in conferences. I mean, there's probably some Big Ten schools that feel like Rutgers and Maryland don't deserve the same or the Iowas and Wisconsins don't deserve the same as in Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Absolutely. I mean – you want the, the Big Ten to play nice with everybody else? They're not going to. You want the uh, SEC to do that? They're not going to. Frisco Sooner writes, I know this is probably not a popular take, but I think the way to fix this situation is for schools to hit back. How about including a clause where student-athletes are responsible for paying back scholarship money and or paying the school a sponsorship fee for exposure through wearing the school's uniform and the exposure gained by playing on TV every Saturday if you accept NIL funds? Well, I mean, it. School does usually get a pretty good cut of it whenever it's, you know, through certain collectives, or the collective does, I guess I should say. And I'm sure there's some licensee fees that are paid to the school as well. I mean, you start getting into, you start getting into that world, then you're getting into the employee world too. That's where they would become employees, I would assume, then of the university. Guys, I'm way, I'm way too into who's going to win the game, who's going to be the starting quarterback, to have an intelligent conversation along the lines of what would this mean for tax purposes or for employment rights or anything of that nature. I'm just being honest with you. Doc from Oregon writes, guys, I'd say LSU and Florida State are regionally the most overhyped, over-talked about team. All right, he said, I'd say LSU and Florida State are the most overhyped, overrated teams. But regionally for me, the Washington hype has been absurd. Again, what did what does Washington have? A returning starting quarterback mm-hmm. that everyone seems to be all in on, right? And Michael Penix Jr. And he's good. And he seems to be pretty good. And he seems like he's working in that system quite well. And right? there's and there's no dominant fours. Right. In the Pac-12. There's no Georgia to point and say, yeah, no, it's it's this team. And what did Washington do? They won their bowl game. They won their bowl game. Won their final seven games of the year. 
you you finish this season hot, you have a returning starting quarterback, and you win your bowl game, you're a top 10 team, baby. Pac-12 is tough to figure out. I have no clue what's going to happen there. Outside of USC is going to score a ton of points again. And then one more here from the 918. I thought this was really good. Two things I've taken from Brent Venable's quotes this offseason. One, should have given players playbook earlier. Two, should have played the young guys more. I think combining those things, you're going to see more Peyton Bowen, more P.G. Adebare, more, I guess, Caden Green. He put Green, so I would assume it's Caden Green. And especially if they're handling it well. Yeah. You know, they experimented. I believe the Iowa State game was the first time we saw it with, like, the line shift where you saw everyone but Rain and Gabriel leave the field and a whole new crew came in. We saw it happen a, another time later in the years. Like, Gibson was a receiver. Another, you had all the young guys in the offensive line. I, I, I think that's very observant on your part, sir, because to me that's that's absolutely a – that's the takeaway I've had this offseason, too. I felt like the playbook one was maybe more towards the early part of the offseason, right? But I feel like recently you've heard, man, you know, seeing some of those young guys and understanding maybe they needed to have a few more. I hate using ammunition analogies, but live rounds, I think it makes all the difference in the world. Look at us. Look at us. Good to see you Monday again, my Good to see you, too, Josh. Steelman and Thune at Noon are next. More fallout from the Taylor Tatum commitment over the weekend. And who's next for the Sooners? It's all coming up right here on the Home of Sooner Fans, The Ref.